Hi, this is Bill Woods. I want to talk to you about something that I think every one of us ought to develop, and that's endurance. You know, sometimes life gets a little hard to take, and we want to throw up our hands and just quit. Or, or maybe we have a temper tantrum and throw a fit, make other people suffer, because we're mad because we have to suffer. There was a lady in our church in, in uh, Arlington, Oregon, who was, had a very short fuse. Her husband, Dave, worked at Cargill Grain Elevator down on the Columbia River. His job was to uh, empty the farm trucks that brought grain in and, and also to load up barges that were down on the dock down there by the elevator so that wheat could be sent over to Japan. And sometimes the job, in, it took long hours. You couldn't really decide what your hours were going to be because you didn't know what might happen towards the end of the day. And if Dave happened to come home late, which was no fault of his own, Nancy maybe had fixed his supper, but she was so angry about him being late, she threw his supper in the garbage can and expected him, you know, to go that night without any supper or go find something to eat because he was late. Or sometimes we take it out on something that can't defend itself. I remember a man coming off the freeway, I-17 there in Phoenix, going down the exit, and he stopped at uh, where it goes to Cactus Road. And I can remember he was so mad because his car had stalled a time or two that he got out of the car, went to the trunk, picked up a baseball bat, came around and smashed the windshield and smashed the back window and beat on the car because he was so mad and frustrated because the car was giving him a little bit of trouble. James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. James doesn't say if trouble comes, but when trouble comes. He assumes that you'll have troubles because that seems to be part of life. But it's possible when they come to profit from them. The point isn't just to pretend to be happy when you face pain or trouble, but to keep a positive outlook. He's not saying get all giddy because you're having a hard time. People will think that you're sick if you do that. James 1.4 says, but let it be an opportunity for joy because of what troubles can produce in your life. James turns, says to turn your hardships into times of learning. Uh, tough times can teach us perseverance. Uh, so let it grow. Uh, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. We spent much time and energies trying to avoid trials. We, we should thank God for them and, and let them develop in us what needs to be developed. I mean, adversity helps us develop endurance and it's a powerful weapon to have in our, our arsenal of, of our character. You can't really know the depth of your character until you know how you're going to react under pressure. It's easy to be kind when everything's going well and everybody's kind at you, but can you still be kind when others treat you unfairly? God wants to make you mature and complete, not to keep you from all pain. You know, instead of complaining about your struggles, use them as opportunities to grow. 
I remember my dad had a friend by the name of Jack Money who had an orchard, uh, a peach orchard, I think it was, in Selah, Washington. And he would say, my crops are especially vulnerable. Even a short drought can have a devastating effect. Dad would say, why? Well, he explained, while frequent rains are a benefit, but during that time, the plants don't have to push their roots deep in to search for water. The roots remain near the top and the surface, and a drought would come. The plants are unprepared, and it quickly kills them. Or if a heavy wind comes, it would knock them over because they're not anchored by roots. You know, some Christians receive abundant rains of worship, fellowship, and teaching, and yet when stress comes, they go to pieces and turn away from God or accuse God of being unfaithful. Their roots have never pushed much below the surface. Matthew chapter 13 5 and 6 tells about a man going out and planting seeds and he said some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away. Only roots grown deep into God can endure times of drought in our lives. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Thank God for his promise to be with you in rough times. Jesus promised he'd never leave you or forsake you. And we know back in Deuteronomy, God said, as your day so shall your strength be. Ask God to help you solve your problems or give you strength to endure them. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Be patient. God won't leave you alone with your problems. He'll stay close with you and help you to get through them and to grow. 1 Corinthians 10:13 says, No temptation has ever overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, this uh, now generation gives up too easily because they, they want instant gratification. They quit jobs. I know a couple different people that have had four or five jobs already in less than a year, but things got a little rough, and they just quit. They quit educational programs. They quit relationships. They, they you know, spiritual quest prematurely because of little opposition. We become weak-willed because we don't understand endurance. Our nation's in trouble because we've developed wimps instead of red-blooded Americans. Most people don't want to think about failure anymore. They can't cope with it. Scripture warns us not to live in the past, but occasionally there can be some positive benefits when we consider the high cost of quitting. Some people live with scars and emotions because they couldn't endure and they quit something or someone. And they ask, 
Why did I cave in so easily? The obvious answer is because it's easier to quit than to endure. It's easier to go out and play than to practice the scales on your piano. It's easier to watch TV after work than to take night classes. It's easier to walk out of the room during a conflict rather than get through it. It's easier to read the paper and drink coffee than to go to church. It's easier to do what you want with your life than to kneel before God, turn the controls to Him and wait patiently, expectantly, and sometimes agonizingly for Him to lead you. It's easier to quit following Jesus than to go through the pain process of daily living or daily surrender. It's always easier to quit than to endure. I heard about a man who was drafted into the army. He developed a very strange habit. As he walked along each day, he kept picking up pieces of paper, saying to himself aloud, That's not it. He'd pick up a, a one piece of paper after another and say, That's not it. That's not it. This went on for six months. His weird behavior was brought to the attention of his superiors, and they ordered him to report to the base psychiatrist. The psychiatrist asked him, What is wrong with you? What is the problem? The soldier looked baffled and said, What problem? I don't have a problem. The psychiatrist said, Well, something's wrong with you. The report says you keep going all over, picking up pieces of paper and saying, That's not it. That's not it. So tell me, just what is it you're looking for? The soldier said, I don't know. I just don't seem to be able to find it. The psychiatrist talked to some of the colleagues of his colleagues and then told the man, I think your problem is serious and I'm going to give you a medical discharge from the army. When the psychiatrist handed him the discharge papers, the man jumped up and shouted excitedly, This is it! This is it! This is what I've been looking for! Where are the benefits when we endure? Oh, well, let me ask it this way. There are benefits when we endure. James 1.12 said, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. A soldier of the army of the Potomac fought in the Battle of Gettysburg. He belonged to the 6th Corps that made that famous march from Manchester to Gettysburg, a distance of 34 miles. He said that march with the clouds of dust and the perspiration and the blood of chaffed limbs trickling into his shoes was the hardest experience of his whole long service. It's sometimes harder to march than to fight. The test of endurance is the long march. As a Christian, you set out on a long march. You will meet many who have gone partway and then turn back and just quit. You'll see those around you who are ready to quit and go back wanting you to go with them. Thank God there are those who keep going forward with no thought but enduring until the end. Matthew 10:22 says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. The Greeks had a huge, I mean, had a unique race in, in their Olympic Games. The winner wasn't the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished with his torch still afire. 
I, I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch still lit for Jesus Christ. The testimony of one who quit, you know, is, is I, I wonder why I did. I wished I would have stopped. I wished I would have kept going. 2 Timothy 4.10 says, For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. What a shame, I say, because Demas was with Paul in, in his ministry. In Colossians 4.14, it says that Demas was there. It says, Luke and the beloved physician and Demas greet you. You know, there's a story about the days of great western cattle drives. There'd been a cattle drive, and most of the cows moved along peacefully with the rest of the herd. Not so with this one big mossy horned steer. He was always going over the hill, running against the herd, trying to recruit some other rebels. This steer would charge at the horses and the riders. He wouldn't cooperate no matter what. Finally, the herd reached the ranch, but the old mossy horn still wouldn't settle down. He was dangerous. The former foreman didn't know what to do with this big old obstinate animal and was tempted to make him sirloin steaks. You know, just take him out and butcher him. One of the older cowboys said, well, let me handle him. He got a little burrow and yoked it to that steer. Bucking and ranging, con raging, convulsing like drunken sailors, the two went, were turned loose like Laurel and Hardy to proceed out onto the desert range. The cowboys all watched with them disappear over the horizon, the steer dragging that poor little burrow along, throwing him around like a bag of cream puffs. They were gone for days and finally came back. The little burrow was trotting back across the horizon, leading the submissive steer in tow. Somewhere out on the prairie, the steer became exhausted from trying to get rid of the burrow, and at that moment, the burrow took mastery and became the leader. That's the way it is with God's kingdom and his heroes. The battle is won by the, not by the outraged, but by those who are committed to see it through. Maybe you've been fighting a battle and you're discouraged and, and about to give up. Well, don't give up. Don't do that. That's what Satan wants you to do. Hang in there. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says, But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your, your ransom. James 1, 2, and 3, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that testing of your faith produces patience. Now, I know it's sometimes kind of hard if you get a flat tire on the freeway and say, oh, thank God, thank God. But I think probably what you should develop is this attitude of saying, well, I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm going to keep a positive attitude and I'm going to move on to where I need to be. 
First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, And this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that by the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold than per that perisheth, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I, I remember the story of the ugly duckling. And this next little bit, I, I looked up a summary of the story. This summary is not my work, I want you to know. I got it out of the encyclopedia. Actually, it was um, out of the Westminster Encyclopedia. It says, uh, after a mother duck's eggs, eggs hatch, one of the ducklings is perceived by the other animals as an ugly little creature and suffers much verbal and physical abuse. He wanders from the barnyard and lives with wild ducks and geese until hunters slaughter the flocks. He finds a home with an old woman, but her cat and hen tease and taunt him mercilessly. And once again... He sets off alone. The duckling sees a flock of migrating wild swans. He is delighted and excited, but cannot join them, for he is too young, ugly, and unable to fly. When winter arrives, a farmer finds and, and carries the freezing duckling home, but he is frightened by the farmer's noisy children and flees from the house. The duckling spends a miserable winter alone outdoors, mostly hiding in a cave on the lake that partly freezes over. The duckling, now having fully grown and matured, cannot endure a life of solitude anymore and, and no more hardship. He decides to throw himself at a flock of swans, feeling that it is better to be killed by such beautiful birds than to live a life of ugliness. He is shocked when the swans welcome and accept him, only to realize by looking at his reflection in the water that he had been not a duckling, but a swan all this time. The flock takes to the air. He spreads his wings to take flight with the rest of the family now. You know, some, sometimes are hard, and you want to quit. Remember, God is making something beautiful out of you, out of your life. Cooperate with him. Don't give up. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10 says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. You know, one of my most favorite songs is It Will Be Worth It All When We See Jesus. It says sometimes the life, our life grows weary and it's hard to bear. But when we see Christ, it's going to be all right. And I want you to know that you one day have the opportunity to see in Jesus Christ if you don't give up, if you continue to press on toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. I hope you'll do that. Father, I pray for the ones that are listening today that you'll help them to realize the, the benefit of sticking to it till the job is done. I would ask Jesus, you give them the grit to go through all the way to heaven. And we're going to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, 
you need to get a hold of me. The email address is lowercase R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. My mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. My telephone number, if you want to call or if you want to text me, is 623-845-2741. And I would be happy to try to give you any kind of help that I possibly can and encourage you in any way that I can, letting you know that God still loves you. And God's still on the throne. By the way, I will be preaching again tomorrow at First Baptist Church in Holbrook. I'd like to have you come be a part of that congregation. God bless you. Talk to you later.